0: This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Well, here we are. We made it to the end of 2020, some of us limping to the finish, but across the line nonetheless. Among all the challenges and problems we faced this year, I was grateful for the enjoyable and thought-provoking conversations that the Systema for Life podcast provided, and grateful for the opportunity to slow down, to think more deeply, and to reach out to guests that I otherwise may never have considered. This year, we had a wider range of guests and topics on the show, ranging from the collective wisdom of expert Systema instructors like Vladimir Vasiliev, Emmanuel Manolakakis, and others, to the musings of scientists and academics on fields relating to Systema practice. We had doctors, historians, philosophers, one professor of indigenous knowledge and, entirely coincidentally, two former British commandos. All waxing lyrical on what it means to breathe, move, think, train, stay healthy, stay prepared and thrive in an increasingly uncertain world. I hope you enjoy this selection of conversations from the last 12 months of the podcast and that it might inspire you to go back and listen to any episodes that you might have missed or perhaps mine some of those episodes for hidden gems of wisdom. Once again, I'd really like to thank all of our listeners for staying with us this year and especially our supporters and patrons who have kept the podcast afloat through monthly donations over the last year and they continue to do so via Patreon and PayPal if you've enjoyed the show this year and you can spare a few bucks each month you'd like to help ensure the survival of the show into 2021 then please visit ncsystema.com support today and become a systema for life supporter that's ncsystema.com support and now on with the show Author, academic, and custodian of indigenous wisdom, Tyson Juncker-Porter, wrote the book Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. And through reading this book, I saw lots of parallels with Systema philosophy, and practice. Uh, I was particularly interested in our meandering, crazy conversation we had in his view of the necessity of violence and how Systema can help us to... Balance this by practicing a kind of distributed consciousness that you do find in many indigenous cultures.
1: The most important thing about conflict and, and about um, violence is that it's it's kind of necessary. It's kind of the manure that makes makes things work. Mm. You know that's why, and you, you can't have that manure piled up in the middle of the field. It's got to be spread evenly throughout. Mm. You know what I mean, um, and and you need it. You need a bit of push pull. You don't know where your edges are unless you get those edges smacked from time to time, you know. And um, and basically, it's very difficult um, uh, to be in co-evolutionary relation with the landscape unless there is that um, that that sort of current of violence running through. And all we know about violence is that it's ugly and terrible, It's because we've only seen that expression of uneven violence, you know. But when it's even when it's a dance, it, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, and it was the plant that you mentioned just now. Um, like recently, so we, we've had this little mint um, uh, mint plant uh, out in the garden. It's been there six months and it hasn't grown. It sat there and then recently it started just withering even smaller and smaller back into itself. And it looked like it was going to die. So I didn't put fertilizer or anything like that. What I did was I went out and bought five other different kinds of mint and planted them all around it really close to it. <laughs> and within, within three days, <laughs> that little dying mint plant had quadrupled in size, going, no, you fucking don't, Spearmint. I'm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, peppermint, back off. I'm fucking, this is my, <laughs> this is my gray. <laughs> So you know what I mean? And that is what made it healthy. And mm. they're in this kind of relation and dance together now, though, those mints, which mm. is, uh, they're not, other. it's funny. They're actually, they're all growing each other up. And it's not in this weird arms race either. They, they've ended up in this complementary relation, which, mm. is, which is pretty awesome. Now, indigenous martial arts, um, in, in the way that I've learned them and, and participated in them, you know, they, they are quite ritualized. You know, we have mm. really strong protocols. Um, And so a couple of them I mentioned in the book and one of them is based on how kangaroos fight, Hmm. you know, and kangaroos, male kangaroos always, they do those dominance, those rituals, those fighting rituals, but they never, they never hurt each other. Hmm. It is horrifically violent. And you think, Oh my God, like one of those kangaroos is going to die that they never die Hmm. or get particularly injured, but it's very violent. And it's Hmm. also very beautiful. And so um, there was one uh, uh, called Corrida, a, a form that I learned for a while. I just wasn't very good at it. But the first part of it is, is a kangaroo dance. And mm. then you come in and, 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 and it's this very violent sort of wrestling that's kind of beautiful. You're making something together in the space. You're making a mm. pattern. And yeah. you're coming out together. The, the idea is that, you know, together you come out with whatever it is resolved. Yeah. And neither of you is particularly damaged. And even, and the other thing I mentioned was a, a form of knife fighting, uh, from Southeast Queensland. I was going to um, ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. That I learned. And that is really good. Um, because I don't know if you can imagine fight knife fighting somebody and you've got two elders standing either side of you with spears. And if you break the rule, you're going to get speared. So you've got to, you have to, no matter how angry you are, you've got to follow the rules and the rules are, you're not allowed to cut anybody anywhere on the front of their body. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only allowed to cut them on the back Mm. and shoulders. Mm. That's it. Not on the face, Mm. (laughs) only on the back. Mm. Can you imagine how hard it would be to cut somebody on the back when they're holding a knife too? Right. Pretty much in order to be able to reach their back, you'd have to expose your own. Sure. And so the moves that come out of that are so like 5D chess bloody moves that come Mm. out of it Mm. that you're forced and 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 so your extreme creativity kicks in and it's very hard to maintain um wrong anger. Yeah. Or wrong story. You know, if you're coming into that protecting a lie or doubling down on a lie, yeah, and getting angry at that, that other person, that lie will not stand. Mm. Not not in yourself, you mm. will have to be purged. Yeah. And so and the thing is that so even if, if you manage to cut somebody. So the winner is the one who, who who leaves the most cuts on the other person. But at the end of the fight, those old fellas standing off to the side with the spears, they will cut up, they'll stand them two combatants side by side, and they'll do cuts to make sure that each combatant is walking away with exactly the same cuts.
0: That, so this was something I was going to ask you about. So um, hmm. like Howie, I've been recommending this book to everybody that I know since reading it. And there was a friend of mine, Brian Marco, who also trains. He's a instructor in training in Sistema as well. And he read this book yeah. and it blew his mind. Really, he's still just processing it. Um, and he said that he thought that really resonated with with him because he just thought about the idea of violence as having always just like a dominant winner and then a submissive loser and like somebody wins a fight somebody loses a fight and it's just always kind of this one-way interaction as you start to do it but um and then that kind of colors our whole interactions with people when we have like a verbal argument it's just like well i have to win we're not negotiating anything here i have to make sure you're humiliated and that i'm right and that everybody who's watching knows that i'm right and there's no distinction but it's like well what if every time you cut somebody with a knife you knew that you were going to get that back at the end of the fight, right? You knew at the end of the fight, every time you're cutting somebody, you're cutting yourself, right? The same depth, the same place and that kind of stuff. If you knew that was the case, if you knew you were going to get it back, then it would make you fight yourself. in a different way. You would still fight. You, you would still, fight. You'd still find a yeah. way to ritualize it and find a way to sort yeah. out the agreement through that. But knowing that you're cutting yourself would make you less cruel and like you say, it's impossible then to carry that anger because it would mm-hmm. make you dumb and stupid in a fight as well. You'd yep. get cut more anyway. And also it wouldn't really serve you because you're just hurting yourself. And he took mm-hmm. that as a metaphor for what we do to ourselves in society. Do you know what I mean? Like we do this and yeah. if more people understood and kind of health in a healthy way fought that way. And in systemic, yeah. we have parallels to this. And the second thing I was going to say is that we have a, a form of uh, fighting called soft work where, you know, we'll roll and wrestle and ground fight on the ground and, it, it, and we'll punch even and kick and do stuff like that. And, and in theory, anything goes. You can strangle somebody, you can choke them, you can you know, get them into a lock where it could almost bust their elbow and you can thump them. But in practice, what we do is that both people um, move a little bit slower than you ordinarily would, just so that you can keep the control. You move at like 60% of your full speed or something. Um, mm. And then you, if you feel any kind of resistance, so as you start to kind of try and pull somebody into a headlock, the second you feel Any kind of like, oh, it's going to be a struggle to pull his head down here. You move and you shift to another position. And then in doing so, both people kind of move around each other continuously. And you have to play this complex five-dimensional chess because you can't rely on the aggression and the force. Um, And it turns into something spectacularly useful like because you're learning to be more creative as you play. And it's putting these um, constraints on the combat that makes it creative and interesting. And then it also allows both people to feel satisfied at the end of it, rather than one person just feeling like they got owned and this, and just feeling kind of hard about it or feeling sorry for themselves. Like both people come out of that kind of combat with joy, you know, in their heart and like they, that they've built each other up. It's like a hearty hug, like a man hug or a slap on the back, but 20 times better, you know, you had a fight and it was great. And you see this, you know, sometimes you'll see this even in sports, you know, good boxers or really professional MMA fighters or something, they'll slug it out and they'll really go for it. And at the end of the fight, they are genuinely, they have deep respect for each other and that's there. But it's not quite the same thing, right? It's not quite mm. to the same extent. Um, usually because there's other things riding on it, like ego yep. and titles and status and not a little amount of money a lot of the time as yeah, well. Yeah. So there's other things thrown in. But it's, it seems to me there's a, there's an enormous place for this kind of ritualized combat and this ritualized violence. Um, mm. For people who normally would abhor it, would be like, no, I don't want to do it. I hate yeah. hitting people. I don't like doing this. And it's because they're afraid of what it is. And the problem is that if, you, if you're afraid of what it is, it's not, you, you're allowing somebody mm. else to distribute the violence, like mm. you said, right? You're yeah. allowing some people to have a monopoly on it while you try yeah. and
1: absolve yourself of the, of the need for it. But it doesn't work that yeah. way. Like, yeah. oh, it just goes so far beyond empathy. And it, it's yeah. like a, it's this connectedness this really solid connectedness, and I think that's what grabbed me when mm. I saw those YouTube videos ten years ago. You know, mm. and it wasn't. And I looked at a lot of them, the Systema ones, mm. and I, I was less impressed by the you know, you know, massive guy, all in red in a big stadium doing a demonstration. Mm. And now I will knock down fifty people with Jedi power from my balls. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and everybody ah falls over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, and and I'm sure that was real, but I was less impressed with that than I was. I, I kept watching this one dude, and he was just this little short old fat dude, <laughs> and just yeah. a big smile all the time, and he's just looking around all the time, and he's just in relation around him, and he's got all this. Massive, young, bit strong fellas all stand around him, and he just—he's just loving them, you know. And he's, and he's yeah. And so
0: he's—he's he's our instructor. And he's he's the head of our system. That's Mikhail oh, Dabko. So he's—he's <laughs>
1: he's the top it was guy. That yeah. guy that I saw and yeah. I kept watching him, and he's just smiling, <laughs> and he's just—it's—it's it's almost this—this this, just this—it's not just love like that hippy dippy love. It's just his—it's what you described before that uh, putting it, it putting yourself out into a, a distributed through the entire system around you. And mm-hmm. he's just like, he's not hurting anybody, but anybody, it doesn't matter. They keep, machine gun, whatever. They're coming at him with everything. And he's just barely moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this tiny little thing with a smile on his face. Just yeah. <laughs> cleaning the place up, you know, and, um, <laughs> but in, in such a positive way and, and you can see, and it's the look on the, it was the look on the eyes of, of the big men when they fell, mm. it was initial shock. But then this kind of, there was this weird kind of gratitude in their eyes. Like I, I just learned something. I've just come into something. Yeah. I'm part, I'm, I, am i am i you have made me part of something bigger than me right now. Mm. Um, he's just bringing them in. And, and that was what grabbed me. I went, ah, oh, mm. I can't wait till I get to talk to one of these people. It's amazing that, um, I'm talking to people now who, are. Uh, you know, that's your, yeah. that's your teacher. <laughs> that's yeah, great.
0: it's, it's what, what's fascinating to me is that it's, ta- I mean, I've been training this for 15 years and it's taken me so many years to try to get past the beginnings of the ego and the ideas and the indoctrination and the other things yeah. to fully appreciate what system is and to fully appreciate what it does. What's fascinating mm. to me is, is that 99% of people look at that video of the little fat monk looking guy throwing people around and smiling and they're like, yeah, that's fake, or he's not even trying, or that's not a real fight, or do you know what I mean? Like, he's, no, he, I he should be more tense, works. he should be more angry, that can't be like a real <laughs> useful fight. And that, so <laughs> most people would look at that and be like, that's worthless, <laughs> or that's fake, or that's something else. But you, without the direct experience of training Systema, look at it and then okay. see it for exactly what it is that it's taken me yep. 15 years to learn. So it's, what's mm. fascinating to me is that, again, there's like an undercurrent of rediscovered knowledge here. Do you know what I mean? You've, mm-hmm. you, you have this knowledge from a completely mm. different, Place that predates like the the knowledge
1: base that I got it from. You know, it means like if there's but something it's, shared. It's there's all something the same we've Same place. Yeah, we have we have over a million years together. Yeah, yeah. Of of, of shared history. Right. You know, we we all of us look up at the night sky, and there yeah. are several constellations that are named the same way all around the planet. Sure. Yeah. And it's not because those stars form a particular shape in the sky. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, like Orion. Yeah. Orion does not look like a man. No, it looks like a fucking and, rhombus with, a, with the three dots in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But everyone calls him a hunter or a warrior all around yeah. the world. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a reason for that. We share a common origin. We share a common story. Um, we share a common purpose. You know, mm. we are the custodial species of the planet. Mm. And we have, um, you know, very particular, very special ways of, of, of working with our energies to make that happen. And it is that distributive energy mm. system that you described. Better than I've ever heard it described before. Better than I've ever described myself. You just nailed it. Um, and, and that's it. That's what mm. we're supposed to do. We're mm. supposed to be working that stuff.
0: Vladimir and Valerie Vasilyev, of course, need no introduction. And this year I had the honor of conducting an interview with them for Black Belt Magazine. In the course of this interview, we talked a little bit about the differences between training Martial arts for sporting competition and personal development as a civilian versus for law enforcement, military or pure self-defense applications. So there are big tactical differences in kind of sport-based and reality martial arts, right? I mean, you've trained both civilians and kind of military operators on how to work Mm -hmm. through real situations. Um, And it seems kind of like that for civilians or people in sports situations, um, oh, or sorry, so people in military situations, sometimes it's you'd rather have avoided the conflict, right? Um, and then sometimes if you're in a military situation or law enforcement, you have to initiate, you have to be in the conflict. Is the training different for people who are using martial arts for a civilian purpose or for professional purpose?
2: You know, it, it, it's, uh, it's quite um, hard um, to explain. Um, uh, <clears throat> When you study system from the beginning, for example, they teach you always how to relax, right, and uh, feel comfortable to any position. Hmm. Bad position, wrong position, sometimes people bend you, you know how to breathe, you know how to relax, you're okay. And in this situation, less aggressiveness comes inside you, and you can control yourself and the other people much more. Hmm. So it means you don't uh, speculate or like show how good you are, stuff like that. Because when you study sport, they teach you how to be first, right? They want to, you know, they push you always, oh, please, you know, show how good you are, this and that. Hmm. And based everything on ego. When we study, for example, uh, in a military situation, when I have good officers, they teach you to be, how to say, to be strong, to be brave, but not to be, how to say, egoistical things, or, uh, or I can go here, I can, you know, that's what I want to explain uh, sometimes. Imagine, uh, you see the Rambo, right, uh, movie? Yeah. It's in a good example uh, 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 when the person stand up and start to shoot the other people, right, and the people shoot towards him. Of course, nobody touch him. But <laughs> in the reality, no, no, it's just an, an example. In the reality, imagine you're with a group like a ten, 10 guys and suddenly one person stand up and start to shoot around hmm. So when the people shoot back they shoot exactly in that place where the other people also right so it means he provoke the other people shoot towards you so it means he's a very bad person hmm. instead of to hide instead of to you know to help the other people he provoke the other people to, to do the, to put grenade there or shoot towards you right? So mm. that's sometimes in a conflict, you wanna, in a good situation, some people ask uh, why you work, you know, uh, why you don't fight, why people cannot fight against you. Because everything, what Michael explained, and now I understand, everything what you do, you wanna be invisible. Mm. Imagine if the people has weapons or something and you start to scream, they will shoot towards you, right?
3: Just to clarify, uh, Vladimir is uh, replying to the question, why don't Sistema practitioners mm. go and compete?
4: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. We get that question from time to time. Yeah. And uh, the answer is because that's not what our objective is.
0: Uh, so to that end, is there? Um, do you feel like people should train both sport and reality-based martial arts, or does does training both kind of hinder your development? Because um, it seems like um, in some sport martial arts, for example, as you said, um, it's, in, it's important to attack constantly, to stay close, um, to, and you get points for being the aggressive or the dominant fighter, right? If you're in a wrestling match or MMA match or something, or boxing matches, how many times you throw punches and things like that. But in a reality-based situation, sometimes evasion or escape a, a better option. so does that put sometimes a sports based martial artist at a tactical disadvantage they like have like the wrong mindset like, and you would rather be invisible and escape um, and train for that kind of mindset instead
2: well, in a good way of course the best way to, to stay invisible right it, it means like a <laughs> escape but it's so hard to do right because we have our own ego weakness and of course we start to argue with people of course we want to punch them Um, And I don't know how to explain, but uh, people fight anyway, you know.
0: Okay. So we should prepare for both.
2: I think so. Yeah. That's why you need to come to martial arts to check. That's why we hit each other a little bit, right? Just to see how your body reacts, right? How if you can protect yourself. Yeah. Not with with legs, with your own body, with breathing. Anyway, no. I think it's good to. which I, I like to move. I like to spar. I like to do these things. I, I like it. It just if if I see ego comes, that's what makes me you know worried. About me because it's no good, because it's not me anymore.
0: During the summer, I had the uh, joy of interviewing my good friend, uh, federal law enforcement agent and co founding instructor at Sistema Puerto Rico, Rafael Mate. Rafi's a amazing guy, a prolific martial artist, and a serious tough dude, and it's always fun to have a good chat with him. As part of our discussion, uh, we got into a little bit the, the importance of acknowledging
5: fear and stress and how Sistema can help us do that. When I became a supervisor, my agents, you know they they would run into the uh, into the office. You know, hairs on fire. Uh, you know, this is an issue. We have an emergency. It's a problem. You know, ah, you know, the old uh, home alone kid screaming. And <laughs> I would breathe, yeah, and say, "Tell me what's going on, right?" Yeah, and and then immediately. That calmness, that 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 relaxation would make me make better decisions, mm. realize that what they're what they're yelling about is really not an emergency. It's yeah. really not a big issue. It's just it was a big issue in their head, you know, they, they were all amped up, you know, mm. and and so that became then my way of doing things at work. You know, people would, would say nothing bothers him. Yeah. Nothing. Well, I'm, I'm flappable, yeah. Rafi. <laughs> exactly, you know. Yeah. So nothing bothers him because it, it, I I wouldn't let it because it's, yeah. the minute it started to bother me, what happens? Well, now tension comes right, and then sure. you, you stop breathing, and then you stop stop feeding the brain, and then those connections that we were just talking about, yeah, they don't they don't they don't happen. Sure. So the solutions to the stuff that we were dealing with were harder to find. Whereas if you know we took a minute, take a breath. Mm. see where we're at let's relax let's see where we're at those solutions would come right in and then you know we we deal with it and it, it wouldn't be an issue so did you, did you find so, that
0: um some of that behavior actually ended up being entrained in other people too like because you were calm and you you dealt with things by taking a breath did you did you notice some of the people right around you also taking on the attitude
5: kind of thing, a bit
0: more yeah
5: i think some people did pick up on it uh, Yeah. Uh, other people and and you know this. Other people <laughs> just wide you know, a different way. Is that, yeah, they hold on to their to stress,
0: right? Way. They they think it defines them that they're like stress bunnies or something. Like, no,
5: I've got to stay sharp. I've got to stay sharp. You know? Right,
0: right, <laughs> exactly. Like, you know,
5: yeah. and 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 no matter how much I try to to calm them down, you know, tell them to breathe, they can't. They they're they're uh, drama llamas, right? They have to be <laughs> with the the drama has to permeate everything they do. Yeah. Um, so, but some people did. Some people did say, "Hey, there's something to this, right? Yeah. Let's not get excited. Let's, uh, you know, let's bring it down." Now, mind you, that's in an office setting, right? The minute we go out in the street and and you know th- those doors open up and we're out going to do something, that that stress that all that is pumping back in, right? Sure. So by practicing this in the office scenario. It became, at least for me, it became second nature to hit the street, get amped up, still be amped up, yeah. but be, you know, relaxed enough yeah. to be able to breathe, to keep my wits about me, to be able to move mm. um, and, and keep, you know, keep, keep all the principles yeah. and it would make me safer. It, it make, made me safe,
0: Yeah. right? It that's, made that's... everybody
5: on my team safer.
0: Yeah, that's, that's it. so interesting. And so in um in psychology and neuroscience, um when they're talk- they're looking at people's relationship with like high stress situations, when you talk about firefighters or law enforcement or, or or anybody that's going into a situation that they just um also weren't trained or prepared for as well, right? You know, law enforcement firefighters are trained to do what they do, and yet even in spite of that training, you're still going to get that adrenaline rush. You're going to get that right. sympathetic nervous system you, activation. Certain mm-hmm. amount of it is just primal because your body's like, this is life or death, and you could die. You know that, right? And it's trying to prepare you for right. a, one of two things that could be happening there right but there's also you know that will kick in sometimes when people are just not prepared for things like a car crash or you know where it's going to be people will exhibit different responses to that And, and this trained capacity for calming yourself down um in neuroscience is called self-regulation right and the ability to kind of regulate Mm -hmm. your own nervous system and then the ability to calm other people down with your bearing or your manner not even necessarily specific techniques just by being the way that you are and then kind of in training them is called co-regulation right so in a very real sense what what you're doing is like you're not you haven't become fearless and you haven't become like immune to stress you've just got a lot better at feeling it, understanding it, and then dealing with it or recognizing what it is. And actually even being honest right. about what it is. Like, hey, I'm a little scared here. I'm about to go through a door. But you have the capacity to oh, fo- yeah. focus and regulate. Whereas some people might push that away and be like, I'm not scared of anything. But like they say that, but their voice and right. their posture and everything is actually belying the, what they're actually saying. Right? They're definitely still scared. They're just not right. acknowledging it and they can't move on. And there seems to be like a little bit of um a reluctance. I don't know if it's like a macho thing or something, but like, people are quite happy to talk about stress and, you know, like combat situations when they train system. But when Vlad or other instructors talk about fear, like you need to recognize your fear and work with it. People are like, Nch. you can see them kind of bristling. Like, I'm not really afraid of anything. Fear is a very strong word. Maybe I get a bit angry or irritated, but as a man, I'm not afraid of things. Right. But it seems to me that's essential. Like that admission and that acknowledgement that it's the same thing. Right. It's the beginnings of a fear response. And if you can. If you can regulate it sooner, it doesn't become full on fear, no. anxiety, and panic. But if you don't, then it will, right? But it's still the same thing; it's still right. fear, right? So,
5: it's it's still fear. And and yeah, uh, you know, Gavin De Becker in his uh, book, uh, the, Gift the Gift of, Gift of Fear, of fear right? yeah, great, man. right? You know, he explains that amazingly, right? It, it it you have to acknowledge it, and it is fear, but it's it's mm. your body telling you something's you know you need to look at this, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that fear will either save your life mm. if, you, if you acknowledge it, like you're saying, you, or it'll kill you, right? Because sure. if, you, if you panic and you freeze yeah. and deer in the headlights, sure. then you're going to get run over, right? Sure. Um, yeah. I had a situation uh, on the job where, uh, you know, a bad guy came, you know, came at us. Mm. We were all out there. We we're going to take him down. He comes out us in his car. He's, he's going to run us over, mm. literally. Yeah. Right. So, you know, talk about deer in the headlights moment, right? Yeah. Here, here's the, a person dry, barreling down the road at you, mm. not stopping. Sure. Um, so, was, was there fear? Yeah, there was. There was a lot of fear. Mm. Now, did I realize it at the, at the moment? No. Why? Because I breathed and mm. I moved. Sure. What are the two things we always do in systema, right? Yeah. I breathed and I moved, mm-hmm. right, and I I got out of the way, uh, mm. much like uh, um, uh, much like a bullfighter, right? And he sure. just gets out of the way, right? Yeah. So you know, got out of the way. Mm. You know. Is, there any are there up- are
0: there any other instances? I mean, I know sometimes you can't talk about specific people or cases and things like that, but are there any other instances like that where you felt the onset of something happening um, and you used? your knowledge that has come from systema to kind of self-regulate yourself and make a good decision under pressure that way. Like, I mean, I know maybe it's hard to separate some of It's just training and experience and you make good decisions because you've done it a lot of times. Right. But can you remember a specific yeah. instance where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm actually because I'm breathing here or maybe you calm somebody else down.
5: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So in that instance, again, you know, the, the, the breathing and the relaxed the, the fear came, it came right off. Yeah. It was immediate, but, but I, after the fact, right? I remember just saying, and I breathed and I yeah. moved out of the way, sure. right? Um, now, after all the dust settled, you know, I started to shake because sure. right? all yeah. that adrenaline yeah. that I was going through yeah. had to had to make make it work its way out somehow. It sure. work yeah. its way out, right? Yeah. So I started to shake, um, but but knowing and realizing that you know what what had happened. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the next day, mm. I'm fine, right? Sure. There, there's no, there's no lasting effect, you know, like, like, Vlad no PTSD. Says, you know, you, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, mm. you know, when Vlad says, you, you know, you get that hit and you, you're tense up, you keep that hit there, right? Yeah. When you relax, it just, it just goes away. So in this instance, it happened the same way, right? That the, the, the traumatic incident that could have been right, a uh, tragic yeah, didn't stay with me, you yeah. know, why? Because I didn't, I didn't keep it all tensed up. Now more more to what you just asked, um, yeah, a lot of it for us is is training and experience yeah right we we train going through those doors a lot, yeah and and it just it just becomes you know this is how you do it and, and a lot, a lot, a lot a lot, yeah, but within that, the minute you go up in training, right, training is training, um like vlad says, you know you you've got that uh, training knife, it's all good and dandy, and people are gonna You know, move around and joke, and everybody's having a great time. But if you pull out a real knife, people are going to tense up immediately, right? Yeah. So in training, it's all fun. You know, it's you know, it's all paintball, right? So it's it's all fun. But when it's for real, then it, it it switches, right? So, so I realized that that my sistema was helping me stay more in control to get that fear in check. Yeah, faster, mm. um, earlier, to to when the situations came. Now that being said, on a number of occasions, um, as a team leader on our uh, on our SWAT or SRT, you know, I, I sometimes I even put my gun in my holster, mm. you know, because I knew all the other guys had what, and I was calm enough and in control enough, mind you, because of my sistema, right. Mm. To be able to direct everybody and say, "All right, we need guys here. We need that. You know, let's move here. Get that. You know, get this done here, there. You know." So, my, I, I, I was open. Mm. I wasn't, you know, focused on one thing. So, I would have to say that that's how Systema helped uh, me in, in in my law enforcement capacity. It mm. broadened my vision, if you will. My good friend and
0: Fight Club Toronto. Founder Emmanuel Manolakakis is a regular on the show, Um, and this year we had a really great discussion about having to refocus your training during COVID, where you might take it, and the benefits that might come from going deeper and slower on your own work. How Have you found kind of like the the creative spark out of this process? Has, Has it even helped you get creative, do you think?
6: Oh, Glenn, I've, I've been, I, I can't tell you how much creativity I have. I, I got to stop. I'm too creative. That's my problem. I come up <laughs> with, stuff. like honestly, I, I can't even tell you the stuff I come up with. And it's, it's because, so you, you, all of you, anybody listening right now, I want you to understand when you watch an instructor teach, you need to, you're, they are teaching you at a high level. Mm-hmm. We're not talking at a high, higher level, Right. Um, I don't know how high level I'm at. I just know not have been doing it for a while. Mm. Um, but at, at one level, they're teaching you who they are. Mm.
4: That's
6: so. When you when you when you're so I I, I so I never try to judge a teacher from one to the other, because at a high level, everyone is teaching who they are as a person.
4: Mm.
6: That's exactly it, right? When you when you that's all I'm trying to do. That's all Vladimir's trying to do. That's all Martin's trying. That's all yeah. any instructor tries to do it at a high level, right? Even Michael's instructors out in, in Moscow, I wish I could understand more of them. I wish, I try, yeah. but I, I don't know Russian, I've, I've tried some people to try, but I even try. And I'm not sitting there saying, oh, judging that compared to what Vlad is doing or what I'm doing, I'm trying to understand why why does that person feel such great value in teaching me this? What mm-hmm. is it for them that, it, you know, understand that? Like, when my grandmother was, was making sure that I was fed, I, you know, I understand she grew up at a time in a depression, there was no food. Mm. So that was her thing. Like, so instead of saying, so why is this woman trying to feed me so much food? Because she grew up at a time where there was no food.
0: It's feast or famine, right? right? It's like, well, you've got food, get it down. You You never know where the next thing's coming from. It's
6: like, now that's not the issue, right? So, so each teacher is trying to see something that they want to impart with you that they didn't have. Yeah. And they want to make sure of that, right? So that's what all of us are trying to do. Mm. Um, And it becomes valuable. So you're seeing all of who we are, right? Mm. Uh, And this is super important to me that uh, people stop saying this is right and that's wrong. And people start saying, this is probably why this person has done this. It's just who they are. And that becomes very powerful.
0: Awesome. So what have you seen that that has worked really, really well, either in your own teaching or somebody else's? And what have you seen that just hasn't worked? Because one of the things that I've seen that hasn't worked is people just trying to drag out, like, the... Um, like the basic pillars part of the warm up of this for like a whole hour and then doing that class yeah. three times a week people are like guy look there's only yeah. so many push-ups i can do before i'm signing out here you know it's like it's uh, so i mean it's different i mean vladimir actually vladimir actually did a very difficult class on tension last week that involved pretty much an hour of push-ups right but he did it in such a way that we were constantly renewing ourselves and we were using the push-up as a tool but you can't just show up and phone it in right and just be like hey guys do a bunch of push-ups and let's do a bunch of the others so that's one thing i've seen that hasn't worked <laughs> people have done but that's i've seen some. Right. Amazing things like the tools. What have you seen that's working?
6: <laughs> well, no, so don't w- – trying to make it like it was is is the big mistake you're going to make. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, like trying to say, okay, well, we'll, we'll make believe uh, punches or kicks and this and that. Or it, it's time to just put the martial art thing aside. Like we can refer, we can have reference points. Like I told you guys with the towel. Okay, this is just like when you grab somebody. You can have small reference points. Sure. You have to, it is different. Like don't try make it. You know, it's, it's it, we're we're, we're, we're going to be silly, if not stupid, trying to make that. Mm. You know, like, you know, it, it, I what was it the one day. You know, if you, it, you become, it becomes nothing of what it could possibly look like at some point, right? So don't, just there is. Look for inspiration in lots of places. You asked about creativity. Watch gymnasts train. Watch, mm. watch people. Watch guys on the pummel horse. What, like gymnasts, to me, embody power, flexibility, creativity, um, artistic expressions in gymnastics as well. Power, um, and also relaxation. Look, they have to make it look pretty. Not only do they have to do ten somersaults; they have to make it look pretty and then stick a landing. Right. right? Yeah. And, it's amazing. And for anybody that's ever watched this, I'm not saying we have to be gymnasts, but it is evident in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. It is There's beauty all over there. I sent research, just posted something from a, a great pianist and talking about how to understand the piano on, on Facebook. Phenomenal. Like, look outside of system. It's not you will not change your mind. You It's only going to reaffirm everything system says to you. So I encourage people find good talk. Watch what a good writer says about writing. Watch what a good pianist or jazz singer says about, you know, uh, about playing jazz. I mean, it's all there. Right. And take your inspiration from those places. I don't need a move. I need a feeling or a thought to be inspired you know um i don't i don't need like look so for the month of april i taught i've been teaching the five classes a week and doing stuff now for the month of may i'm going to introduce two more classes so it'll be seven now in total and mm. the two classes are going to be are dedicated solely to mental training that's it mm. sweatless practice nothing but working with your mind how your mind processes past present and future events so that you can become clear as to why you're doing something that you're doing so Mm. that you make a good decision not outcomes are going to vary i want people to make good decisions and you have two friends the past you and the future you Mm. you have to take those as allies you have to understand how to use those things but people can't imagine their future selves this becomes a problem You have to, guys. You know, if if, if there are groups of, of people that um, can can do this better than others, it's trainable. So yeah. I'm going to be working because what I what I felt, what inspired me to come up with those classes, is that we're hitting what I feel now. First, when we hit isolation in this pandemic, we were we, we needed to move. We're sit, We're bound in a house, and we're like, oh, we we're going now. Now what's taking – so the first thing is the, the physical stuff, right? Hmm. The next part is going to be the mental. And I want – I don't want people to have uh, the anxiety, depression, all those things, those roots of those weeds festering in our mind. I want to get ahead of it already. I want to give you guys that. So I'm going to be introducing those as well. Awesome. Um, and it's so important, guys. We have to look at our mental brain right now. In this situation, it's going to be all mental. People yeah. will break mentally. They're going to break mentally. And, and it's, it's a shame because you can easily train with it. It's not that difficult.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: It's not that difficult. And many people do it in different ways. Uh, but you have to have developed a sweatless practice for yourself. A mm-hmm. practice that does not have any physical aspect to it. Because the physical kind of hides it, right? To me, it's like... You know, smothering, you know, taking a piece of broccoli and smothering it in cheddar just mm. so you can digest it. The physical training, in many cases, like that cheddar, it's just trying to cover up to make it palatable, the mental. Mm. No, just have the, the head of broccoli. That's it. Mm. It's bitter. You won't mind it, but it's good for you, man.
4: Right, yeah. Look at
6: the mental, and I want to look at that deeper so that, you know what? What comes out of this? A person that can move, breathe, work out, and have a strong mind.
0: This year, I asked uh, systemic instructor, IDF officer, and personal security professional Joe Gare to come back on the podcast to talk to us a little bit about threat assessment and filtering out noise and uncertainty during COVID. Uh, Lots of security concerns and issues going on. And I felt like he was a great person to come back on and give us some concrete advice. And here he talks a little bit about the relationship between threat perception and stress.
7: Glenn, at at the individual level. Yeah, you know, layman like like me, and I mean, you're much more. I mean, you're you're into the sciences, and so you you get all these numbers and facts and and information that you're getting. Maybe you have the ability to discern what is right, what is not, what makes sense, what doesn't. But for a regular guy like me, boils down, goes back to I think it was Aristotle, right? All I know is that I know nothing. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and you know, even if you know all the above and what have you, you know, we have to really understand. I think that's also one of the problems that we're seeing is. Uh, you mentioned the media. Undoubtedly, you know, people being forced to stay home with nothing but the TV in many cases, right? Yeah. In a metaphor, we have, you know, us that train, we know that even in a confined space, we can do so much training or whatever, right? But sure. many people, all right, John, hope what I'm going to do is so they turn the TV on. And that turning the TV on or in today's world, also social media. Yeah. It's just a stressor that is nonstop. And people have this on for hours and hours. And they're glued to that. So no, no wonder they're getting stressed. Yeah. And there's one thing that I was going to tell you is that, you know, we have to mm. figure out what are the things that we can't control. Mm. What are the things that we cannot control? I saw that from the beginning. You know, they're talking about the WTO and the CDC. And this guy said, what can I do about it? Can I control that in any way, shape, or form? No. You know, right. maybe in the next elections I can vote for blue or white or yellow yeah. or orange or whatever I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um I meant A and B. I didn't sure. mean to sure. bring out colors because I know colors can get tricky in today's sure. crazy environment. You know? Sure. Okay. So I don't want to go there. But um you, but you hear what I'm saying. So so yeah. today is this something that I can I can control? No. So why not focus on things that I can control? What can I control, for example? Mm. And that brings me back to another great Japanese um Axiom or proverb, which is, and I'm sure you're familiar with this one, is mizono Kokoro," right? Mm. Mind like still water. Yeah, that's something that's you water. Yeah. It, mm.
0: by meditation, water. Yeah. Meditation,
7: etc. And the metaphor is beautiful, right? You have um, when you look at yourself in in a lake that, and the water is still. If the water is still, then you see a clear reflection of yourself. Mm. But if there's a little, bit, if you blow or if you do a little bit of waves with your fingers, that's going to distort the image, and you're not going to be able to see that. So yeah, The samurai, and I've been learning this with, with my, again, my teacher, James Williams, for many years. Uh, for the samurai, it was a matter of, of life or death, being able to clear the mind, put all the emotions aside, you know, anger, frustration, everything we talked about it before. Put it aside, look at the problem they had in front of them, which was another, mm. you know, person with a sword uh, with intent to come and chop him off. Mm. And they had to be in that state of mind of clarity so that they understood what was in front, you know. Yeah. In our terms of training, right, what were they, they probably looking at? Distance, mm-hmm. timing, vectors, right? Sure. And uh, getting out of the way, moving with deception and, and being victorious, you know, like uh, Miyamoto Musashi, for example. Sure. But uh, this whole concept of Mizuno Kokura I think, is really important today um, for, for people to apply and to, and to practice because it gives you clarity it gives you um, a state of mind that is you know it just gives you health as opposed to again being glued to the tv and so then the, the problem was how do we help people get into this or even share the concept with, with people so that we can help them again drawing from the warrior mindset as former warriors martial artists you know what can we learn
4: yeah what
7: can we do to spread positivity and help people right so mm-hmm. doing that we came up with uh, an idea of doing um a series of free webinars mm. And uh, we did about five of those, uh, alternating between English and Spanish, because those are the kind of crowds that we have here in Miami anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, so it was uh, interesting to, and it was a great experience, right? We brought in, um, I think the first one was called, the theme was um, dealing or how to manage with stress. And the other one, anyway, they had themes that you can go back and look at them right now. my short term memory is not allowing me to to do that <laughs> but um basically what we did was we brought in a group of professionals in areas that could be of help, so in the first one, we had uh, a group of martial artists yeah. okay that was a really nice discussion. We talked about you know all these all of the above right breathing, how to manage tension. We had some great guys from the Sistema community in um, in Peru yeah. in Argentina it actually from all over Latin America they were joining us mm-hmm. um, and of course here from the US and then on the other set of uh, webinars that we did we brought in people from the um, we, a doctor mm-hmm. okay actually in the first one we also had uh, another system a practitioner, practitioner who's also an, an amazing doctor who's uh, Carlos Dr. Carlos Alban from Colombia great mm-hmm. guy great spirit you know fantastic fantastic person he was very um, you know Very positive in all of his messaging and very real as well.
4: Yeah.
7: So the second one, we also had a a doctor. So we took care of the medical advice and guidance and any type of questions that people could have. Then we brought in a psychologist Mm. who was specializing in uh, family therapy, right? So what can you do at the family level to avoid that friction? She was very keen on on the on the communication side of things. She's like, don't hold things up, communicate, communicate. And yeah. you know what? That's absolutely something we bring in from the military as well. When when you know, communication is critical. Yeah. And they're saying that in situations like these with uncertainty and et cetera and friction at home, we have to communicate even more than we do on regular basis, right? from exploding.
0: So my wife and I normally have this process where we kind of check in on a Sunday night. It's kind of like the, the the weekly family meeting type thing. We've got the kids into bed. They're doing their thing, and we're like, okay, what's this week look like? We've all, we've been doing this for years, really, right? What does this week look like? What are you doing? What are the big things that we have to hit? Where's the childcare handoffs happening? You know, where you have to look after them while I'm doing something else, and all these kinds of things. um And then, kind of, where can we kind of put in time where we can do things that are restorative and you know allow time for each other like on your own and together and other things like that as well and stuff that you know be proactive about what we're doing with the kids but that's we've had to do those every two days now right we, so we used to do them once a week but we realized that it's shifting too much yeah
7: that is amazing planning hmm. but also when it comes to to you know tactical problems or sporadic things that you know yeah. you know what i wanted to go out for a walk today and uh but i don't want to go and then, you know, I felt mad and, you know, these little things that bother us because we're now together 24-7. Sure. Yeah. Little things that if we communicate them in, you know, with respect and with everything else, yeah. you can mitigate them. If you just keep them in your stomach yeah. and then tomorrow another one and tomorrow at some point, boom, right, it's going to explode.
0: Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. Anyways, so it it's shifted, in- shifted to a, a more day-to-day thing, that's what I was saying. Like, we realized that, that that weekly plan that used to work is no longer, it's too rigid, right? It's too, waiting for a week yeah. to express what it is that you need to do is no good because from day-to-day, everything's just so inflammable now. You know, it's, things can change all the time. Absolutely. Yeah.
7: But yeah, but, so definitely that's, that's another topic that's very important, right? So the, the, the mental well-being of the people today, right? So we had that psychologist. Then we brought in uh, somebody to talk about um, cybersecurity because mm. guess what? We're all working you know, via Zoom, doing transactions from from your home, yeah. sometimes using your computer. So what can you do to be better protected in that realm as well? Mm. And, uh, and then physical security as well. You know, back in the early days of this whole process, we, you know, some of us that have had experiences with, with situations with cows never discard completely the possibility of actually what we're seeing today, mm. which all all these riots and violence and what have you, sure. which again, uh, we can get, you know, uh, we're not going to get into those discussions, but, hmm. you know, it happened because of a reason. There was a trigger there, but yeah. I'm betting, um, and again, I'm not, you know, analyzing this too much, but I'm willing to bet that this was kind of like a, an excuse to bring this violence that were coming out because, you know, people are in this situation for so long. At some point, you're going to explode, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. They, and so they took it's this just gonna happened. The straw
0: that broke the camel's and, back, right? It's one more thing. It's the special thing that, thing added, that but, happened yeah. with, with, you know, with the with situation
7: with, with Floyd. Hmm. You know that's a whole different situation, and of course you have to, you know, definitely investigate it, and you know, you know, justice has to be made, and and yeah. it has to be, it has to be, you know, a whole system that's going to take care of that, and then of course there's a very good discussion to have about the whole racial, so all that is good, yeah, and protests, everything is welcome, yeah, but in my in my thinking all these riots and all these vans that we're seeing is something completely different, but anyway. So we're not going to go to the reasons, but Mm. fact is, you have to, again, when you you talk about planning and these type of situations, so you start kind of like planning for that,
0: you know? Yeah.
7: So anyway, so that was uh, was the webinars we did,
0: and um, So were those successful after the fact, for people that couldn't uh, make them? Did you record them and make them accessible, or was it just live only at the time? Or was it?
7: No, so uh, yeah, so we did record them. They're actually, if you go to my YouTube, you know, Sistema Miami. Yeah. Um... YouTube, you'll see them there. You can you can watch them, and they were. I actually encourage you to do that. They were really good discussions, uh, and they're relevant even today. You know, so
0: yeah, that'd be great. Again, yeah, I'll put those in the show notes. English. English. Yeah, that'd be great awesome. if you are if, if you're okay with that. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Can, for listeners sure. can listen. Excellent. I for myself, I then, signed up for a couple of them, and then the last minute there were childcare stuff, and I'm like, ah oh, man, and I couldn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't all, attend the actual thing. So for me, I'm like, great, I get to watch it afterwards. So like, these
7: these are yeah. free. They're again, they're like a service. You know, a or, or mm-hmm. little grain of salt to. Hopefully, help someone in this situation, and yeah. of course, we're still available. That's and then, excellent. what we did is also we started doing a, a few breathing classes, um, which you know, for the first time, doing them online. And to my surprise, as well, we got people from all over the place.
0: Yeah,
7: and uh, guess what? You know, um, that that very natural thing that we call breathing, that we all you know know how to do since we inhale and come into the world, and then exhale and leave the world, and everything in between.
4: Yeah,
7: um, is not that is not that um that well underst- understood mm. by many many people you know actually the power of breath is something that people when you start showing them different approaches and exercises they're like wow i couldn't can't believe that just breathing and, and being aware of my breath and doing such and such has so many impacts that can actually help my life in so many different ways you know so anyway yeah, so, yeah. did some breathing classes of course with uh Systema breathing actually the first class is a uh, I call it an introduction to the seven sistema principles of breathing, which is you know they're all represented in that every breath. Yeah, it was just you know one push up, one leg lift, and one squat after some theory, theory, and and, and talk about you know the principles. We give them some some realistic practice, and you know the feedback was really really good.
0: For those of you who've never had the uh, the joy of meeting him, Systema instructor and lifestyle medicine specialist Alberto Nassif is a just a lovely guy, always stays happy, positive uh, and brings kind of a light to any situation that he's in. I brought him on the show this year to talk about making sense of the current situation under COVID um, as both a Systema instructor and as a physician of lifestyle medicine and the value of kind of managing your news and information diet and how the principles of Systema can help you stay healthy and calm during the current crisis. So so in terms of concrete measures that people can take in terms of um, lifestyle at the moment, so in in the stress-proof course that I teach and I offer, um, I I tend to focus on uh, four quick fixes at the beginning. I'm like, there's lots of things that you can do to alter your response to stress. But I'm like, if you can fix these big four, it's a really good start and it will take care of probably 90% of everything (laughs) that's going wrong at the moment. And, And those for me are diet, sleep, movement, and your focus or your use of time, right? If, if you're completely sedentary all the time, if there's no movement, it doesn't have to be like high-intensity interval training exercise. But if you're just sitting around on the couch all the time, it literally, your nervous system assumes that you're injured or sick, and it responds um, in kind, right? It keeps you in a sympathetic state the whole time. And if you're right. if you're not sleep, if you're not right. protecting your sleep, if you're sitting up, you know, looking at blue screens until two in the morning and reading, you know, news reports and um, you know <laughs> of exaggerated things going on, then you And then you you basically create insomnia, and you don't give your nervous system a chance to reset itself before the next day, and then that stress becomes cumulative, right? That anxiety it, it manifests really in your body, builds up from day to day. So they're cute things. So, But diet is an interesting one. People don't tend to respond to that as readily, I find. But there's a lot of research that shows that the things we eat can actually drive up and drive down our nervous system responses as well. And I know that you're a big advocate of um, plant-based diet and whole foods and all of those yeah. things as well. as do you, do you feel like there's a there's a role for that at the moment that because i I'm assuming if from what I've seen that at the moment bad diets and insomnia are pretty much the norm, everybody's slobbing out and eating their comfort right. food you know it's like which is kind of the worst thing they can do when they're already stressed out right and Is there any advice that you can offer to people right now on that
8: well, a few things actually. one of them is that there are a lot of foods that create a pro inflammatory state in your body, yeah. and so they make it more likely that you're going to have that kind of a sympathetic response, yeah. So that includes uh, milk, cheese, dairy, eggs, uh, red meat is, is very pro-inflammatory, mm. and even chicken and fish, particularly when they are contaminated with hormones or other substances, they can do that. Yeah. The other thing to, to remember is that um, blood sugar level has a lot to do with your mood. If, yeah. you, if you have drops in your blood sugar, i.e., if you're eating things that are loaded with sweets or loaded with sugar, Yeah. when you eat high-sugar things, your body has a very fast insulin response yep. to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. So then you get an effect of hypoglycemia right after that. Mm. So low blood sugar is a powerful irritant to the brain.
0: Yeah, it's like a, you peak and trough too much right throughout the day. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, the thing is to stay in the middle. I mean, watching Vladimir and Michael um, sort of dispatch with even highly respected instructors all over the world, you know, STEM instructors with such ease, uh, I can't help but think that not only is it um, their, what would I call it, all their years of experience, but it's also Mm. how calm they are, how they do not react to everything and how they are very decisive in what they do, but they're very creative in what they do too. In other words, they're not... Uh, focused on doing one quote move end of quote yeah they are so relaxed that whatever comes their way they're able to respond to it in the most direct and effective way yeah and so it's the same kind of thing with anxiety your body is wired to respond to threats yeah and in order to stop that you have to be able to have a sense of relaxation and reduced level of sympathetic tone at all times, but be able to turn it on when you need it.
4: Yeah, definitely.
8: But to the extent that you need it. In other words, it can't go like a light switch. It's more like a dimmer. It goes up a little and comes back down. Yeah. And your breath is really the master switch for all this.
0: Yeah. So it comes back to that interaction between breathing, movement, and and the other oh, things yes. That, yeah, definitely.
8: And, you know, that list that you gave me um, is really a, a part of the list for um, lifestyle medicine. We yeah. make sure that people are getting enough sleep. We try and get them all to sleep about eight hours a day. We tell them that sleep is super important. We talk to them, I talk to them at least, about the glymphatic system, how that's the uh, the, the the part of the brain that actually cleans out all this de- these molecular debris yeah. that's in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that it only works during REM sleep. And if you're not getting enough REM sleep, so, for example, if you have sleep apnea or if you're getting disturbed at night because of an animal in your, you know, your cat is waking mm-hmm. you up or a mm-hmm. child screaming. Three-year-old, yeah, in my case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you have to mitigate that by, you know, taking turns so that you guys can both recover. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do. But I guess my point being sleep is super important. Diet is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise is super important. Going outdoors and going and getting some sun, yeah, super important. It actually brightens your mood. Mm. Uh, the, the vitamin D is important for immune function and for cognitive function. Sure. Um,
0: Resets circadian it, rhythms too, right? So it helps you sleep yeah, if you get outside and get those exactly, wavelengths. Exactly. Yeah,
8: that's exactly right. It yeah. it uh, it actually helps reset that clock and normalize it, so that you're able to fall asleep when you're supposed to and wake up when you're supposed to.
0: Definitely. You know? So, so, in terms of the um on the focus, that's another thing that I that um I like to talk about. Stress proof at the moment, um, there seems to be, I mean, understandably, because people are trying to make sense of the situation. There's an, there's an excessive focus on the threat and the danger, right, of everything. Um, yeah. and there's a constant, obviously, bombardment with news and updates. There's a twenty four hour news cycle even if they haven't got anything new to say, right? They're, they're just <laughs> recycling the same stuff that was released yesterday or whatever happened politically oh, or whatever happened over, in the medical field, over, over, over. and over. And, um,
8: yeah, they create a sense of hysteria. In yeah,
0: so, so how do you feel like we should best deal with both like the constant bombardment of news and also so, like, some of the divisiveness that that can produce on like social media and things like that as well? Is it just a question of just switching off for a while, limiting your actual exposure to it? Or is there some other way of managing that?
8: Well, first of all, there are some uh radio stations or television stations or channels that h- tend to have a much more bombastic delivery about everything, you know. They, they thrive on controversy. Yeah. 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 And and uh that's right. And and uh the same thing, I mean, even on on Facebook, I'm like limiting my time on Facebook because I'm seeing ads and I'm seeing angry political stuff and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. So you know, I basically just turn it on, see whose birthday it is, send them a happy birthday, uh, see if anybody tagged me or wants to say anything, uh, check a few of my musician friends and and other friends, but it's a very quick thing. It's maybe 15 minutes a day. And then I turn that stuff off.
4: Yeah, I don't need it.
8: I, I I'd rather be doing something else, you know? Um, and, uh, You know, I've been telling a lot of patients, a lot of my patients using this mantra and even my son, who I talked to earlier today, I said, you know, Nick, when you can't go out, go in, you know, when Mm. you can't go out and be along, around all your friends, he's a young guy, he misses his buddy, he misses working on cars with him, you know, doing that kind of stuff. He's He's a, he's a gearhead, you know? So I said, when you can't go and do that, go inside, go inside yourself, read a technical book. Um, you, know, you know get a book about the, the, the Mustangs get a book about the Corvettes get a book about the Ferraris and yeah. read about them read about their technical advances do something to educate yourself and to make yourself better at what you love mm. during this time because now you have the time to do it
0: back to personal security professional Joe Gernell as he tells us how to conduct a thorough risk assessment when deciding where or even whether to travel during COVID and its shifting restrictions.
7: In this case, awareness of yourself.
0: So again, going back to our students so, and, and ourselves, why
7: are we training? You know, and there's very, I think that's a very important question that not a lot of people um, take the time to really stop and answer and, and, and you know, think about. Some can do it for self-defense, some mm. protecting their families. Maybe they're a professional fighter, a boxer, an MMA mm. um, you know, fighter. Maybe they're doing it for the sport of it. Maybe they're doing it for the fitness of it. Sure. So all these reasons are great, but you, you're going to be a much better uh, chance of having a, you know, getting rewarded with what you want from this activity if you really understand what you're doing.
4: Mm.
7: And uh, for, those, for those who are interested, which in my case has been like, I would say the majority of people that come and train with us. They're interested in self-defense, right? Or personal protection. But then, um, if that's the case, it's really, really important to, to have a, a methodology of training that is relevant to that why,
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
7: So, so, what I would, and, and this is something that I've been building lately, but, you know, something we, again, it would be really interesting to start with what, what I call a PRA or personal risk assessment. And, and that mm-hmm. tends to go from macro to micro um, in terms of awareness. So, in a nutshell, I'll run you through it real quick. Yeah, sounds you know, great. So, yeah. you, so but if, I'm, if I'm doing it for yourself, right? Yeah. I'm helping you do it. So, all right. We're in the world. Let's take the picture, the Google map or Google Earth, little yep. planet Earth, right? Yep. And then start and put you, type in your address, okay? And then watch it as it starts to slowly go in. All yep. right, you were somewhere in Asia. It turned around. Now you're zooming into the Americas. Now you're zooming into North America. Now you're zooming into... In my case, Florida. Now you're zooming into Miami. Now you're zooming into this neighborhood, and boom, here's your house. And this is what it looks like, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like a, a metaphor or an analogy for the things you have to know about, right? Know about what's happening in your region, in your country, in your city, in your neighborhood, right? Mm. And even in your house. Know your heart. Again, ends down, you know, comes down to awareness. Mm. So what are those, right? And then. As you do that, you understand what are the problems in all in all of the above, right? So if I know that one of the problems in my country is instability and you know crime, and then in my city it's really bad, and then in my neighborhood it's uh, you know not that bad, but but it, you know a mile and a half away from me, there's you know really bad neighborhoods. Yeah, and you know start getting into all these scenarios, and then and then you do that. With uh, Not only with your house, but with your place of work. And then the place that you frequent. I go to this mm. shopping center. I go to the, I go to the movies here. I, this is the place we go out and we have fun. This is where my school you know? And then you start really identifying where the risks are in all of these places and, mm. you know, potential vulnerabilities. And then you can start focusing on what is relevant. And then you can start creating a plan of action that is relevant to you. Mm. Hopefully in the fields or with elements of prevention. Yeah. Right. Because you want to avoid some of these things. If you know about them, again, goes down to awareness. If you know about these problems, if you know that there are, you know, this area right here in town, which is not far from me, but it's on my way from work to home. But it's a really bad place. If I know that's a bad area and and I really need to to get money or or put gas in my car. If I stop in that gas station, if I go to that ATM. Right. And if I have my iPods on and I'm sure. completely unaware of what's happening and then I get mugged or robbed in the best cases, you know what? It's my fault. I could have prevented that sure. right? with a little bit of planning, a little bit of understanding of where I am in space.
0: So, so, so in this so method, just to clarify, so you start you start big, you start like what's going on in the world and then you come down to what's going on in North America, then like North Carolina for me. And then it would be like, and that's kind of, it's funny, like in a weird intuitive way, that's kind of how I've how I've kind of tried to approach it psychologically you watch the news and you're like all right how is COVID spreading what's going on with this how are people reacting to it generally what's the what's the general threat level and how are people in general in the world responding to this as a as a stimulus for stress and for all those other things and then like how's North Carolina dealing with it what's the governor doing here that's different to New York or different from other places what are the rules here versus other places and then you come down to the research triangle where I live Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill in Raleigh there's been quite a lot of violence right they've had protests that have gone violent for one reason or another there's been like white supremacist groups and all kinds of stuff um and it's got nasty and and there's been police going backwards and forwards and terrible things happening in durham where i live which is only about 30 miles away there's been protests But almost no violence at all like the police are quite well integrated with the community everybody's just seemed to hold it together a lot better so you kind of go through these waves of like looks dangerous how dangerous is it let's generally you know maybe it's a yellow on the code um but then if i was to go into raleigh and i've gone for like dental work and some other things when i've gone into raleigh i felt that the tone is different And that there's just kind of the the people, right? And when you look, watch people around you, they're more agitated. You can see there's like a tinderbox or something ready to kick off a little bit. And so you can look at that and then sort of say, okay, I'm either I'm not going to spend too much time in Raleigh or when I'm in Raleigh, I'm going to have that yellow alert on the entire time, right? I'm just going to be a little bit more careful about my interactions, a little bit, you know, more careful about how far I get from my car before I start checking things around and stuff like that.
7: And the, and the more detailed you can be with that, Glenn, the yeah. better it is. So if I zoom in a little bit more, right? So we have, so you identified, you know, all of the above. We went from the macro in space yeah. to your little neighborhood and wherever it is you live. Um, actually, if I take your, you know, I was not too long ago in your neck of the woods, and I sure. got a chance to train with your amazing group and see your beautiful dojo. Yeah, and I know more or less where that is, right? So let's sure. say you're going from that place to the place we had a beer afterwards, or then we went. Yeah. So once you identify, it, it's really not that rocket science you identify the places you frequent you sure. understand the risk in those places right yeah. and you try to mitigate them yeah. and then you also understand the the travel from point a to point b and what is around the, those areas and you identify risk
4: yeah
7: um now identifying risk yeah, can be something that's saying oh maybe something can happen but no what i'm saying is deep really deep and dive really deep into the details mm. if you know what does it mean that in this area there's a little bit of crime you know so going to google we all have you know more information that the president of the United States had uh, only like forty years ago or so, right here in, our, in the palm of our hands, right. our, our yeah. Smartphones. Just going to Google. Going to, I'm sure you can find crime crime statistics from your local PD, mm. local police department, etc. That give you modus operandi. You know, who is doing from the bad guy, from the adversarial or the bad guy point of view. Mm. Right. Who is doing what? What are their techniques? Are there, are they robbing people using guns, using knives? Mm. Do they come in pairs? Do they do? You know, where do they attack? So once you start seeing what is really happening in a detailed matter, yeah, then you can start understanding where you have risk. Mm. You can start deciding how do you avoid and prevent most of that risk, mm. and then you start preparing yourself for for things that can happen. You prepare for the unexpected, right? Yeah. That was actually one of the webinars we did. That was one of the titles, Prepare sure. for the Unexpected. Yeah. Anyway, so, and, and, and if you think about that, you know, you know guys who are coming, I'll give you, I'm going to divert for a second, but let's say if, if we post a, you know, if I do a, a rifle carbine pistol course and I post it online today, um, I can guarantee you a lot of guys are going to show up and sign up and say, "Why, wow, you know, this is cool. I want to do it. But then when you ask these people, you know, why are you doing this class? Mm. Oh, because I want to defend myself. All right, hold on do your PRA, do your personal risk assessment. Hmm. Show me in there what scenarios are you considering to where this training in, in rifles is going to be beneficial for you and, and help you achieve your goal of personal protection, for example.
0: Yeah.
7: right. I mean, if you live somewhere where it's relevant, by all means, go ahead and do it.
0: Hmm.
7: Now, having said that, there's other folks that just want to do it because it's fun, which is sure. perfectly fine.
0: But you need so, to understand yeah, that. that. You need I, to be honest I, about that's, that's why you're doing why. It. Yeah, yeah. If
7: you mm. want to go in and train and in you know in sistema or in some martial art or go shooting or do whatever it is because just because the, you like it, mm. by all means, have the fun of your life. Mm. But understand why it is that you're doing it. And if you're here for self-defense or for personal protection, mm. do yourself a favor. Understand, understand intimately what are those. Uh, situations where things can happen to you understand what it is that can happen to you and then train for that yeah if you live in an area you know in the uk it's not that common to have somebody with firearms right sure. only the bad guys have firearms by the way right right <laughs> most of them so all right it's good. so it's gonna happen with a knife all right so sure. that's a scenario you can't avoid you can't prevent that so start training in knife defense in, in mm-hmm. a practical way Anyway, so that's kind of like the, you you get the picture.
0: Yeah, just before we leave this real quick, um, I'm mindful of time. We we want to get some more things into this. Just on a practical level. So, I mean, some people will be thinking in terms of how do I plan for my security and for my family? And, and doing that kind of exercise, even if you do it on kind of a surface level, you just do it once drilling down to your house could make people feel kind of more secure. Like, All right, I've thought about it. And the risk assessment here seems to reveal that I'm probably okay. So maybe I can afford to be a bit less panicky and just take prudent measures and that kind of stuff. On the flip side, some people might feel like, oh, maybe I'm not in such a great place. Maybe I need to move or be extra careful of what, with what I'm doing. But there's, a, there's like a level of preparation which feels prudent. And then there's another level which feels paranoid, right? Where it gets into kind of like, oh, I'm just thinking about it all day long. What's, what's a healthy level of concern? How do, how do you train people to be aware but not paranoid?
7: So I think, again, going back to Mizuno Kokoro and, and putting all these emotions aside, be realistic. See what's happening, see what's going on and use judgment, you know? Um, yeah. Not more, not less. Just prepare to, your, to the best of your ability. And by the way, this is something, like you said, w- once you create this uh, PRA, and you know, I'll throw a little insert, a little promo here. You know, If you want help with this, we'll be happy to do it. Just check out System of Miami and us.com or proactiveandprepared.com. Great. But um, what I wanted to share t- with you is that once you create this, once you go through this work with yourself and you create this document, hopefully, it doesn't mean that you put it away and that's it. This will evo- It's a working document. It's a living document, right? Yeah. So tomorrow something's going to change. So you adapt it, right? And again, the, the as long as you understand why it is that you're doing what you're doing, right? And, and I have a, a feeling that, you know, the students that, that understand or have a strong why and understand it, Mm. are the ones that really last long in training. You know, some of the others kind of like came for a little bit and then, woof, disappear. Yeah, the
0: excitement goes and then they leave. So can I ask just one more thing about that? So can you do that even on kind of like a... um on the level at the moment, like some people are thinking about now as some, I mean, it depends how things play out, but the restrictions are easing in, in many states and people are thinking about, well, I've been stuck indoors with the kids or something for three months and I'm thinking about going on a trip. Maybe I'll try and go to the mountains, maybe I'll go to the beach, maybe I'll go and visit my parents in Florida, you know, whatever it is. Um, is it prudent for them, people to do this kind of exercise for the place where they're thinking of going, the intervening places in between. For example, you know, I have a friend who lives in Texas um, who's moved there like six months ago. I haven't had the chance or the time or the opportunity. And I'm like, well, the kids are off school. Things are going on. Maybe it might be a good chance to go with him. He's been like socially isolated and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's a COVID threat from staying at his house with him. And I know a couple of people have done the same thing. A friend from here drove up to Minneapolis to stay with their friends there for like a month just because they've got other kids to play with. And they made their own little social isolation bubble. Um, but then he's in Minneapolis right and Minneapolis has become this new hotbed for riots and oh, yeah. everything that's going off so he's like yeah when I assessed it when I thought about driving up here it seemed like a good idea and then they abruptly were like coming back it wasn't quite as so much fun so for me thinking about going to Texas I don't think there's a lot of trouble where he is and it's fine but there's intervening states that I would have to stop off at and go through which I probably don't want to be doing and even if I do it won't be fun with two kids in the car I would just want to gun through them as quickly as possible and, like, and gunning in a car for 12 hours with two small kids is not fun part of the part of the fun is the journey so i'm thinking that's not going to be a fun trip because of the intervening places that i won't be able to stop at and enjoy right and that kind of thing so is it worth people doing that as they think about travel as well like ahead of the things so
7: i'm very happy that you brought this up absolutely by all means right so Mm. part of your methodology now is once you have this mindset and you're doing this because you understand the importance of this Because your why is to be safe in Mm. this case, right? So, absolutely. If you're going to go and take a vacation in, I'm going to throw out Aruba, whatever, right? Yeah. You do the same thing for Aruba. Mm. Zoom in, right? What region, what part of the world, what things happen there? You know, how do I call for help in these type of places? Who's going to help? You know, response that way. All these things, right? And then zoom into your hotel. And then it's all about planning, right? I can Mm. tell you that you can do that for any type of trip you're going to do. I can actually, actually share with you that, you know, since 2011, I've been with my company. We've been um, helping Team USA, one of our clients, in, in their international mega events. And we help them increase or boost the, the prevention capabilities of, of Team USA when yeah. they go abroad. Mm. We're talking about Pan American, uh, European, and, and the World Cup. Yeah. Um, the soccer so
0: team is actually- Team USA soccer team?
7: no. No. We have a variety of uh, sports in there. Team oh, okay. USA, USA, okay,
0: as a whole. Okay, yeah. Team
7: USA for the for the Pan American Games or the European gotcha. Games and for the World Cup. Okay, so you have all types of sports. But we do this exactly the same exercise. You know, part of the security planning. And this is uh, a little bit off track, but to plan an event like that, there's many moving parts, etc. But when it comes to our mission, there's something very important, which is the the, the advanced trip. And part of the advanced trip is precisely to do this that I just described when it comes to Team USA, you know? From the minute they leave the US airports to the US, to to the airports abroad, then from there they go to the hotel, from there they go to training, from there they go back to the hotel, they go to an opening ceremony, then they have games in different venues, then they have, you know, parties. And it's our job as uh, security professionals to understand every single place Team USA Uh, athletes and coaches and staff are going to be visiting Mm. understand the risk level in those places and then we make decisions okay Mm. you know what don't go to these places go to those or you need extra protection here so it all boils down to this type of um risk assessment that we talked about right so it's actually called
0: vulnerability yeah so and finally, back to Vladimir and Valerie with some final words on stress, anxiety, staying healthy during COVID-19, and taking responsibility to save yourself and not to wait for superheroes. We hope you enjoyed the show this year, and we look forward to another great year in 2021. All the best. Yeah, so it seems that m- many martial arts schools, the emphasis is learning how to defend yourself from others, from threats all the time. Um, and yet in Systema, we do this, but we also you're also teaching your students how to defend themselves from the... The wider threat to destroying themselves, you know, from stress, from anxiety, from bad breathing, from declining health with age, and things like that. Is is this why we spend so much time teaching people how to calm themselves down before teaching them to fight? Because um, that's as important. Is it important for health and for combat?
3: And people live in stress all the time, every day. Yeah. Um, so it's important to remove that and mm-hmm. not to escalate it. We say a good warrior is a healthy warrior, so it has to be both the body healthy and the psyche, the mind, uh, peace of mind, uh, light heart, uh, all these good things have to be there.
0: Judging from the current state of the world, um, do you feel like learning self-defense, real self-defense is more important than ever or less important?
2: I believe it's more important, yeah.
0: Because look at what happened now in the world, right? Uh, some
2: people drive the car towards you, and uh, certain things, you know. It, it, it's uh, when you do sport, it's one thing. so When you do proper uh, training, when the people teach you how to see, like I said, uh, uh, things around you, if the car moves suddenly strange, you need to pay attention to this, not to sit inside yourself, not mm-hmm. to think. Uh, how good you are, how bad I am, what to do, you need to always look around right Because suddenly people can attack you and, and that's it
0: yeah gotcha so So, if somebody's looking to make themselves well rounded um to be competent and effective uh in reality for self defense and maybe also if they're training for sport martial arts what what are the three most important things you think they need to work on? Is it conditioning and endurance or is it mindset, which things are most important?
3: Our uh, Sistema slogan, yeah. strength, courage, humility. Hmm. So that's what we need to develop, right? Yeah, that's what I believe, yeah. Strength, courage, humility, that's a sign of Sistema. The last question about the, the world situation, uh, Michael was saying that because there's so much more terrorism and after 9-11 and hmm. the shootings and uh, all these th- survival threats, there is uh, a great need to study martial arts and self-defense. And um, he said that people should be more realistic that a superhero will not fly in to your help. Yeah. Uh, you need to save yourself. Yeah. Um, and there's so much uh, movies and publicity about the superheroes and all these series about them. And, but uh, it just leads people in the wrong direction.
0: Sure. So we're fascinated with this because it comes from fear, maybe, right? People are are fearful that they can't take care of themselves and their families. So they seek refuge in these movies, maybe. So is there anything else you'd like to um, add on the subject?
3: Our goal in training to relax people around us and and ourselves, it's like an angry dog. You don't go aggressively against it. it. It will attack you even more. Every professional, um, when he's dealing with an aggressive criminal, he wants to calm him down, not uh, aggravate him. Only as a last resort, you get into a fight, but you try to dissipate it before it becomes a crisis. And sometimes people around a potential fighter provoke him, push him into a conflict. They're trying to tell you, go fight, but That's not necessary. Someone who has been in real fighting experience or military experience will not tell you to go fight.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com.